Hey everyone, as I'm laying here in bed today, I'm reflecting on a conversation that took place in my 8th grade Spanish class, and I really wanted to take just a couple of brief minutes to share the story with you and really encourage you to not shy away from using your first language, especially when it comes to hard topics, hard conversations, big questions, things that maybe couldn't easily be comprehensified, is that a word? It is now, um, in the target language in a way your students would understand it, um, where you could have a meaningful conversation about it. So I'm getting my students ready for, my eighth graders ready for a more traditional um, textbook and grammar focused high school program. And one of the things that I've actually heard feedback on from previous students from when I used to teach with more of a focus on a textbook and grammar and that traditional kind of learning is that they were really grateful that I actually taught them this chant for memorizing the countries and capitals of Spanish-speaking countries in Latin and South America, in Central and South America, mostly because the chant helped them memorize the country and the capital and the order that they look they go on on the map. I learned this in, uh, in high school myself. Gracias, Senora Schwalbach. The Bach. Anyhow, um, so we were having this conversation, and somehow I got to joking with them, or they were working on labeling the map and coloring it in. It was our first day back from break. I was like, you know what? We'll just ease back into school today. If you have, um, if you want to talk further about my, my my lesson plan choices, we can have that conversation another time. The point of this message is to talk to you about the power of L1 in the target language classroom when used in, in doses and used appropriately, right? So the students are working on coloring and labeling their, their maps. I'm playing um, songs by Selena, the Selena, not Selena Gomez, no shade at her, um, and my students are like, who is this? What's going on? All this stuff. Well, little do they know I'm trolling them because in a few weeks I'm going to be telling them the story of her life in Spanish. So anyhow, we get to talking about um, previous years and different songs we've studied and just kind of reminiscing because they're about to graduate our middle school this year, reminiscing of the last few years in middle school Spanish. And um, I shared with them how I was really grateful that no, no one this year in their class like a student last year, had asked me if Spain was in Mexico. And then, of course, a student says, wait, where is Spain? Okay, let's take a moment. Spain is in Europe. And then I said, also the same student last year, and I'm not making fun. It just cracks me up that these thick students say these things, and it's why I love middle schoolers so much. I said, someone else, I said, a student asked me also last year, do they speak Spanish in Spain? And of course, you know, I'm a Spanish teacher. When students ask me those things, I have to dramatically pretend to hit my head on the desk or face palm or something dramatic like that, right? I have a really great rapport with my students. I promise you, I am not mocking them. I just think it's hilarious. And then the student in the classroom today says to me, wait. España, because that was one of the countries and capitals on our list. España. Español. 
Espanol, España, like this gigantic white bulb suddenly went off in her head that they speak Spanish in Spain and that it's like the name of the country is similar to the name of the language. And so anyhow, so then we got to talking about, um, and I'm not really sure how this all happened, right? And we got to talking about how they speak Spanish in all of these countries in Central and South America. And we got to talking about the explorers. We got talking about Christopher Columbus. We got talking about Columbus Day. And I explained to them once how I had a sweet, sweet, sweet middle school student many years ago come into my room on Columbus Day and say, Happy Columbus Day! And I had to break it to them why that's not something that... Um, that I celebrate and that I especially celebrate being a, being a Spanish language teacher. Um, and so then, you know, my students today are asking me, well, what, what, what do we even celebrate Columbus day for anyway? What's the point of it? Why all these things? And I, so I had to explain to them that the reason why all these countries currently speak Spanish is because of the explorers and the colonization that happened and I said, guess what, you guys? All of these countries and all of these cultures and these people, they had their own languages, just like Native Americans, indigenous people in the United States, spoke like Cherokee, still do, Ojibwe, etc. Um, and how when these explorers, quote-unquote, discovered this new land, that they actually forced their language, their culture, um, everything onto them. And it almost was like a light bulb went off in my student's head like, oh, well, if Columbus did that, why do we celebrate him? And I was kind of like, exactly. I, I'm wondering the same thing, too. I'm wondering why that is still something that we, that we say, you know. And I know we talk about Indigenous Peoples Day and that that has slowly changed kind of changed over the years um but then some of the kids were like well you know because middle schoolers right I'm this is not me holding this against them I promise I love having these candid and raw conversations with them and some of them said well do we get off school for Columbus Day <laughs> and then they said well if we get off school for Columbus Day I'm all about celebrating it and I said you know this is one of the times that I'm gonna say I really think we just don't want to celebrate him and we don't want to celebrate the people that came over that way and then of course they asked me why is he such a bad guy so I had to get I tried I really really tried to tiptoe in my response of being honest and not too detailed and especially at a you know 14 year old level and so I told them I told them how they stole the land, how they killed people, how they assaulted people, how they brought illnesses, how they treated people, etc. And and the kids were just in awe. And then, un, I, unrelated, I don't know how what happened in this class today, but I'm telling you this because I really valued these conversations, even though they were taking place in our first language, in English today. All the students are still labeling and coloring in their maps and just kind of easing back into school after spring break, right? And we get having a conversation about, well, is Mexico part of the United States? And, you know, facepalm here. And I explain, no, Mexico is its own country. And then, of course, they bring, well, what about Canada? Canada's a state, right? Oh, my goodness gracious. 
I almost died of laughter and disbelief and my brain popped out of my ears a little bit. <laughs> so I said, no, Canada's not a state. Yes, it is. Well, Alaska's part of Canada. Oh, no, 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 Alaska's not part of Canada. Why do we have Alaska anyway? What does it even matter? Just like way up there disconnected from everything else. Okay. But this goes back to the point that the students don't have this this overall grasp of how all of the history and all of the cultures and countries and politics and everything that has happened is related. And so I explained to them about Alaska and I said, well, Alaska's location was, you know, very important. And they were like, why? I said, well, what country is Alaska really close to? Because at this point, they still think Canada is a state. So they're not going to guess Canada. Russia. Yeah. And when did the United States, you know, when did Alaska become a state? What was happening during that time? What was going on? The Cold War. Mm. And who was that between? And why might it have benefited us to have own land close to Russia? And then they're like, oh. And so I really, I know that teaching the history of the Cold War and when certain states became states and why and the advantages and that way is quite a bit outside of my wheelhouse. Um, I obviously know talking about Columbus and the Central American and South American countries and the impact that the colonizers had on them is not out of my wheelhouse. But when I had these 10-minute conversations in the target language or in English today, I feel like some of those conversations may have possibly life-lasting impacts on these kids in the way that they think about and look at our history and how some of those connections that were made are far more valuable, obviously, than just necessarily memorizing a country and capital to have a memorization. So I just wanted to tell you this story, number one, because quite a bit of it was entertaining to me, in my opinion. Gotta love those middle school kids. Um, I really do. I love them so much. But also because having the hard conversation, giving the explanation, answering the questions, asking the questions. Sometimes you pose a question back to them to think about it in a different way. P.S. Just thought you should know. We settled on that they understand Canada is a separate country with its own provinces. And then they were like, well, who discovered Canada? And then we started talking about the French and the language. And anyhow, so the whole point of it being as long as you're able to rein in your class when the conversation ends or when it doesn't make sense to continue talking about it anymore, don't be afraid to use L1 to use your first language to make these meaningful connections that might have lasting impacts on the way that our kids see the world. Because whenever anyone asks me about teaching, I really, really believe this in my core, that besides teaching Spanish and helping my students become communicators in Spanish, my number one priority is to help them become empathetic, caring loving human beings that know that they have a place in the world and that they are worthy and that they are enough just as they are. 
So some of my conversations that I have in my classroom are me stomping on homophobic, racist, and sexist comments. Some of the conversations I have in my classroom are me explaining why um, why um, Harriet Tubman had such a hard life and why she wasn't paid for her work as a spy as a union for the union why she lived a life of poverty even after doing the incredible things she did it's a funny place to step in because sometimes i find that parents um maybe your colleagues but for my case it's only been parents parents and some students don't think that these things should be discussed in a spanish classroom but if I'm facilitating that conversation in the target language and my students are acquiring language and they're communicating about ideas and topics, that's the whole point. Anything is fair game. I never approach things with the sense of personal bias, but I approach things with a sense of these are the facts and I ask them questions and ask them what they think about things. Um, you know... Like when a conversation comes up about cornrows and how um, enslaved people used cornrows as maps. And then the topic switches to cultural appropriation. And there are some times where I have the conversation and there's some times where I give pieces of the conversation and then I end it. You have to know your class, you have to know your group, but above all else, I feel like we have an opportunity to create well-rounded, knowledgeable, fact-finding, kind, empathetic students who are the future of our world. And I couldn't be more excited about it and more willing to use well-placed, well-placed English, L1, in my classroom to make that happen.